We are Centrepoint Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Hello, hello. My name's Chris and uh, I get the joy of serving by leading our leadership team here at Centrepoint Church. And it's so good to just gather together um, to come and worship God every week, midweek, during the week when we hang out with our friends. And I'm really pleased that you're with us here this morning. And um, today, it's always a great day because we get to just gather together, we get to hear from the Word of God, hear from the Bible and just worship Him and know His presence amongst us. And um, we're going to be in Joshua chapters 10 and 11 and so if you can start to turn to that or scroll to that now, it might be that you don't have a Bible with you and if that's the case then stick your hand up and you can borrow one of ours. Um, Our guys in the yellow t-shirts are going to come round and they'll give you one so just keep your hand up and um, they will arrive to you in your seat um, and can you guys do Bibles? Thanks. And um, also, uh, if it might be that your hand is up because you just don't own a Bible, and if that's the case, then you can keep the one that you're given and uh, just write your name in it and you can have it. Um, it will come to you soon. And so we're in Joshua chapter 10. Just before we get there, we've been kind of going through this whole book of Joshua and we've called it Walking in the Promises of God. And Joshua is a, just an amazing historical book because it, um, it, it tells us all these just amazing events. There's kind of conquest and war and armies and there's highs and lows and it's just a great book. But it's also would have been prophetically preached. Uh, when it was first written, it would have been preached to the people of Israel. They would have listened to it and, and heard what God was saying to themselves and applying it to their lives. And so as we go through the book, we're doing the same, applying it to our lives and Walking in the promises of God for them was taking a physical, geographical place of land. For them, God had promised them uh, a land to be taken that from this land they would become a nation that would bless all the nations. And it's significant because it was a calling um, that happened many, many years before and is fulfilled ultimately in Jesus. God fulfills his promises in the book by giving them the physical piece of land. But over the rest of the Old Testament, um, their relationship with God goes up and down. And we hear through different prophets that God is now going to choose to bless all the nations through a new way. It's called the New Covenant. And Jeremiah uh, speaks or prophesies of this New Covenant. And in uh, chapter 31, he says this, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors about the land, um, which I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. No, instead, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time. I will put my law in their minds and I'll write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbour how to obey the law. You know, do you know the Lord? Because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. There is a prophetic picture that through Jeremiah he's projecting forward and he's saying there's going to be a time come. Oh, sorry, it didn't appear. There's going to be a time come where um, I will fulfill my promises to the people of God, not through a physical piece of land, but I will do it through hearts and minds, through people. And this 
prophecy, as we step into the promises of God for us, we take land. Every time you share the good news of the gospel, you are taking land for the gospel. Every time you are kind to someone, every time you help the hurting, every time that you just invite someone into your home, you're taking a bit of land for the kingdom of God. You're sowing a seed. The harvest is plentiful, Jesus said, but the workers are few. And so this week, as we get to the end of the military campaign, this military conquest of taking the land, it's, I think it's good to ask ourselves this question, and that's this. What is holding you back from the promises of God? Or what's holding you back from taking the next step on the journey? Diana, you might need to click on for me. I'm not sure this is working. Um, yeah, what's holding you back? What's holding you back from taking a next step in the journey? something to think about throughout the book we see that sin holds people back we see that they place sometimes they place their security in material possessions and that holds them back we see that when they aren't walking in obedience with God when they're not walking in relationship with him that sometimes holds them back sometimes it's unbelief sometimes it's pride sometimes it's just an apathy God can you really do this and yet in this, these last few chapters, God wants to remind us that he is a God that keeps his promises. And so I've titled this morning's talk, God Keeps His Promises. And we're going to see how he does that over and over and over. And, and he's just going to remind us that of these amazing promises that he keeps. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read a bit and talk a bit, read a bit and talk a bit. And the last thing to mention before uh, we start reading from chapter 10, verse 22, is this, that we've heard over the last couple of weeks that the, the, last, the, the kind of last few weeks, there's been a group of people called the Gibeonites, and the Gibeonites were living in the land, and they were part of like a kind of coalition of uh, five other like sort of uh, regions and areas. But rather than trusting in those, they decide to put their trust in the God of Israel, in the God of the Bible. And so they kind of join in with Israel. And it's an amazing redemption story as they are brought into the people of God. And um, they're, they're saved into that um, group of people. And now those, those people that were their friends, those five other kind of regions, kingdoms, generals that were their friends, now they form a coalition, an alliance, and they come to attack Gibeon. And God does amazing miracles and he, he brings hailstorms and, he, and the people of God come and fight with them and they manage to like kind of stop them being taken over and God shows that he's the God of war and he's, he's the God of creation and even the kind of like sun stands still for an extra 12 hours to help them fight the, the battle and the five kings of those kingdoms or the five generals of those areas, they run away and they end up hiding in a cave. And that's where we pick up today. They're hiding in a cave. And so in Joshua chapter 10, verse 22, it says this. Joshua said, open up the mouth of the cave and bring those five kings out to me. So they, broke the, they brought the five kings out of the cave. The kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish and Eglon. When they had brought these kings to Joshua, he summoned all the men of Israel and he said to the army commanders who had come with him, come here and put your, net, put your feet on the necks of these kings. That's quite a strange verse, isn't it? It's like a memory verse you want to teach your children. Come here and put your neck on the feet of these kings. And it, it, it can be a bit odd. It's, jo, it's Joshua, are you getting a bit power hungry? Like, what are you trying to display here? Well, 
when Moses, um, back 40 years before, when they left the land of Egypt, when they came out of the land of Egypt, God had kind of shown Moses this promised land and wanted to encourage Moses and the Israelites to press into the land. And what Moses did at that time was he sent 12 spies to go and check out the land. And the spies went into the land, they checked it out. And uh, of those 12 spies, 10 of them came back and they said, hey, Moses, we've checked it out and these guys are big. This looks scary. I don't think we're going to be able to do it. And Joshua and Caleb, the other two spies, they they come back and said, yeah, it's scary. They they faced the facts. They said, it's going to be hard for us to do this, but God has called us into the land and we should press into it. Moses and the other leaders, they listened to the ten. And they, instead of pressing on in faith, they stepped back in fear and they ended up wandering the wilderness, the desert, for 40 years. And God waited for Moses and all the other leaders at that time that didn't have faith to enter the land to die out and then rose up Joshua. And so at the beginning of Joshua, you see Joshua um, being encouraged by God, "Don't don't be afraid. Be bold, be courageous, now go and take the land. That thing that you had faith for 40 years ago, I want to encourage you to now go and take the land. The reason why this bit here is really significant is because it was at this same place where the 10 kings had come, the 10 uh, spies had come and told Moses and Israelites, I don't think we can do it. Joshua is now back at that same place here. And so now that you see these five kings lying down, he's, he's saying to his commanders, hey, put your feet on their necks. It's like, God is faithful to his promises. What we, I saw 40 years ago, God is able to do it. And he has done it. And so when Joshua comes and says, here, here, come here, he is making a point that takes us right back there. And he says, hey, God is able to fulfill his promises, even though it looks so unlikely. And so I just wonder, what's holding you back? I wonder, have you perhaps listened to the 10 in your mind? Has fear kind of sweeped into your life? Have you listened to the voice of others rather than the voice of God? Maybe you've just been giving way to fear rather than faith. You you know it's right to go and tell your story to that colleague or to that neighbour or it's right to go over to the street and just help that person who's hurting and you just, fear has crept in. Oh, they won't really want my help, will they? Maybe you know it's right to take on that responsibility in the church or, you know, to start leading a life group or to start taking on that ministry and, oh, but they, they won't really want me, will they? Maybe you've just felt that, you just, I don't know, you just allowed fear to somehow creep into your mindset. Maybe that's what's holding your back, I don't know. I want to encourage you today that God is a God who's able to keep his promises. He's a God who's able to survey a situation, help you face facts, but he can bring faith. He says, hey, I want to encourage you. Come on, be strong, be courageous. Let's go again. Joshua says to the men, come here, put your necks, put your feet on the necks of the kings. Another way of um, translating that is come and make their necks a footstool to your feet. It's like a a parallel of Psalm 110 where um, David prophesies that Jesus is is one who, uh, where the devil is a footstool to his feet. And, you know, um, we do this in Freedom in Christ, where if Jesus is on the throne and the devil is under his feet, he is all-powerful, has all authority. It's true, isn't it? If we are seated with Jesus, if we are brothers of him, where is the devil compared to us? It's in the same place. 
is under our feet. We don't need to be fearful. We don't need to be afraid. When the devil comes and attacks your mind, when he comes and sows doubt, when he brings anxiety and fear, when he comes and says you can't do it, when he points out your sin and says, look at you, who are you? You can say, yeah, I know, I can face facts. But God is with me. He has justified me. And so I can press forward because I'm seated with him in all authority. And so I can press on in faith with what you've called me to. And so, so they came forward. They placed their feet on their necks. And Joshua said to them, he reminds them back of um, chapter one. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. This is the, what the Lord will do to all the enemies that you're going to fight. Then Joshua put the kings to death and exposed their bodies on five poles and they were left hanging on the poles until evening. It's another great memory verse. Um, and again, it's good to just pause. You think, what? why didn't Joshua, having killed them, put them in the grave? What, what, what is it about him sticking these dead bodies up on a pole for all to see? Why, why did he do that? Well, I think he's making another point. God keeps his promises. And we've spoken in this book how it's historic and prophetic. And do you know, Joshua, when you translate it from the Hebrew into the Greek, you get Jesus. And it's just another parallel of what kind of Jesus does to anything that opposes his spiritual authority and power and realm and majesty. And so in Colossians, he, he reminds us exactly the same thing. It says, when we were dead in our sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our debt, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he sticked them up as a public spectacle and triumphing over them by the cross. This is what Jesus does to his enemies, to those that oppose him. As we come and step out into all the things that God has called us to, there is a war going on. It's a reality. And our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the spiritual forces. And as we sit with Jesus, King Jesus, with um, all these under our feet, we can press on forward and, because he has made a spectacle of them. So we don't press on in our own kind of boldness and courage and say, oh, well, I am good enough. And we don't try to fool ourselves because we're not. But in our weakness, we are strong because Jesus is mighty, mighty to save. And he can do anything. And so we, when we stand there and the... You, People try to condemn us or the devil tries to bring bad thoughts. He tries to shame, up, shame us. We say, hey, you know what? All of my sin and my shame has been now to the cross. It's been dealt with. There's no condemnation anymore in Jesus. He's made a public spectacle of it. That's why you can be bold and courageous. That's why you can press forward. That's why you can trust him with what he's called us to do. And so I just wonder, are you held back because perhaps you think you're not worthy enough? Perhaps you hear an accusation of the enemy and you just kind of say, oh, yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, 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 no, I do mess up sometimes. Yeah, maybe I'm not worthy enough. Today, the the Lord says to you and me, it says to the church, it says, I've made you alive. I've forgiven your sins. There is no debt to pay. The shame has been dealt with. It's been nailed to the cross. And so as for whatever thoughts and things that sweep into your mind, you know what, It's it's been, it's done. You can, you can step forward in courage and boldness and you can come because I, I've made a way for you to come forward. I've made it, I've opened it up. You can come and you can trust me. 
And so I want to encourage us to pray for boldness. You know, it's important to pray for your leaders as well. It's not, it's not easy. And all of us are leaders because we all lead our own lives. And it's really easy to make decisions based on fear, like the ten, those ten did. And yet God calls us to be a people of faith. I would love you to pray for the leadership team. Because it's not easy leading a, a group of people because you're always, oh, how's this going to go? Oh, what if we change this or we do that? Oh, how are they going to feel about this? And it's easy to be held down by fear. But we don't want to be people like that. We want to be people of faith. We want to step into all the promises that God has for us. We don't want to be like the 10 that kind of make the, the people wander around for 40 years and just kind of faffing about. No, we want to press into what the things that God has called us to. We want to get on with the business that he's given us. And the mandate is to go and share the good news of Jesus. It's to go and to help the captives free. It's going to help to break the chains of those who are broken hearted. It's, it's to be good news. You know, this evening, it's going to be such a great evening as we come and we just remind ourselves that do you know what deep down who we are as individuals is not our sex our sexuality or agenda who we are is children of God it's people of the living Christ made in his image reflecting his glory men and women together and do you know what there is good news in that gospel there is good news to be heard and it means that we can invite people in we can accept them we can encourage them to come and know the living God we don't have to be people of fear. So at sunset, carries on, verse 27, at sunset, Joshua gave the order. They took them down from the poles and uh, they put them back in the cave where they'd been hiding. And at the mouth of the cave, they placed large rocks where they are to this day. So at sunset, what happens is that they make the fifth pile of memorial stones. As we've been going through the book of Joshua, there's been these sets of memorial stones that the people of Joshua have built up. And it often says that which they're there to this day. It's like a reminder that this is a moment just to pause and ask ourselves, what is God telling us? And I believe, again, he's telling us, hey, God keeps his promises. Those things that we were fearful of and afraid of, hey, God is able to bring to fruition and bring us into all the things that he's called us to. And so do you know what? The cross does the same for us today. When we're fearful or scared and we, we think, can God really do this? It's good to look at the memorial of the cross. It's good to look at the memorial of the empty tomb and uh, remind ourselves that God's promise is that he loves the church and he won't let the gates of hell prevail against it. It means he, he won't let your foot slumber because he doesn't sleep and he doesn't slumber and he is strong and, and he is our sufficiency. He's everything we need to press on into him and so we trust him and we, we base our lives on him. It means that we press into him and we trust him even in the midst of battles and storm because we are called the bride of Christ and he is our defender and he is our hope. And the rest of the chapter chapter 10 is all then about how they took all these southern cities so all the kings they'd been in the cave but the cities are all there and so what they then do is basically the the rest of the chapter kind of goes on it it has these same phrases it says that day Joshua and all Israel took so and so they put the city and its king to the sword they left no survivors sometimes it mentions like a time frame it says oh they did it in one day or they did it in two days and it says that all these kings and their lands Joshua conquered in one campaign because the Lord, the God of Israel, had fought for Israel. The reason why they did it all in one campaign, like we read like chapter after chapter after chapter, how they t it took them to take Jericho and Ai. And now suddenly five major cities and areas have been taken in one campaign. And I, you know, 
the enemies, the, the enemy of Israel, they all kind of gathered together to form one big, mighty kind of coalition. And that looked really scary to the people of God. That, that seemed impossible, but it was in that moment that actually God was able to do an amazing triumph because it meant that in one campaign they were able to defeat all the enemies. The Lord shows that when it looks at the very point of disaster, he is able to fulfil his promises. It was when those kings gathered together. You know, that happens over and over and over in the Bible. When Abraham and Sarah are 100 years old and 90 years old and they're barren. When Jesus is hanging on a cross, it looks like, well, this is impossible. How could God possibly do something? And yet, at the very point of impossibility, God reveals his majesty and comes through. And these passages, they teach us that anything... uh, If these passages teach us anything, then it's that this. When we step into the promises of God it will seem really difficult at times, and it will be. And these, in those difficult moments, they're the moments not to step back, but to step in and trust in Jesus. And I just wonder, when was the last time, just think, when was the last time you shared your story of how you became a Christian with someone, if you have indeed become a Christian? When was the last time? Because it's an amazing story. It's an amazing story of God doing a miraculous thing in your life, bringing you from, the dark, from darkness to light. It's probably the best story you will ever tell to anyone, ever. And my question is, when was the last time you told it? Because surely it should be on the edge of our lips every moment of every day. Because it's just an amazing good news story. It's good to share. And it's really easy, and it's not offensive, because it's just what happened to you. This happened to me. Let me tell you about it. It doesn't have to lead anywhere. Just let me tell you about a story, something that happened to me. Everyone knew that God was fighting for Israel. That's, that's, you know, does everyone know that you are a person of Christ? Does everyone know that that you love Jesus? Because if God is for you, then nothing can be against you. And so... You, there's these, that is like, I think that's amazing. And I think that we, we see all the way through all the chapter 10 that you get time and time again. God, God is there, he's reminding them, I'm with you, I'm for you. All those things I've promised you, they're all there, they're all there. And it's hard and, and then they, they overcome a battle. And then the very next verse, it says this in, in verse 1 of chapter 11, when Jabin, king of Hazor, heard of this, heard of all that had happened in the south, he sent word to Jobob, king of Madon, to the kings of Shimron, Akshaf, and to the northern kings who were in the mountains. And then verse 4 goes on. They came out with all their troops, with a large number of horses and chariots, a huge army, as numerous as the sand on the seashore. All these kings joined forces and made camp together at the waters of Meron to fight against Israel. Just as like something that seemed impossible and hopeless, kind of you just come through, then suddenly in the next step, oh, battle again tragedy again isn't that just life I mean if anyone if you've lived more than like a year of your life then you know that you kind of you you walk through life and it's hard and it's battle and you kind of you see you seem to win one battle and you just walk straight into the next battle do you know the same it's exactly the same for those who put their trust in Jesus it's it's exactly the same the difference is that you do that in the strength of the Lord is that you walk, Jesus is with you in the battle. So trusting in Jesus is not, uh, it's not like somehow he takes you out of the battle, out of the battle, or out of the trials of life. No, 
Trusting in God is just saying that he's with you in them. And so they, once again, they are just surrounded by their enemies. And so it just seems vast. The enemy is so big now, even bigger than what they've just faced, that they can't even count how many people, how many soldiers they have. And it's not just the case that there's so many soldiers. They also have superior weaponry because they've got the horses and the chariots as well. And for some of you, what might be holding you back from taking the next step of your journey might just be the trials of life. Perhaps you're waiting for them somehow to end. Or they haven't ended, and so your kind of trusting God is waning, and you're just pulling back. Or you're waiting for him to kind of come through and unlock something uh, in order to take the next step. And I just wonder if that is really um, how God works. I'm not convinced it is. I'm, I'm not sure what you've seen at all, actually, over the whole of the book of Joshua, or in many places in the Bible where... God, where you become a Christian, God says, oh, okay, let me just clear the decks for you so it's just easy, so you can just walk through life swanning around. That doesn't happen. If anything, you have now um, put yourself in a position where the enemy is now against you because you're not for him anymore. And so it's even harder sometimes to live the life, but it, whilst it might be harder, you have a God who loves you and knows you and is for you. And you know what? We live in a culture where everything is about comfort. Everything is about easy living. Everything is about, you know what, let me just try to make this as easy as possible. And I just want to bring a bit of a challenge to that, that as Christians, we just need to know that that is not realistic. That as you come and as you live for Jesus, as you take steps for him, you are walking into enemy-occupied territory. That's what the promised land is for Joshua. And I believe it's the same for us today. As we go and cross over our street, you're treading on the enemy's ground. And he is not pleased about that. As you walk across your office floor and you tell someone about Jesus, he is not happy about that. That is not a good thing for the devil for you to be doing. As you go and you just try to help someone in need, he he wants to convince you that the best thing to do is just throw him a bit of money or give him a sandwich. And when you sit down and you start talking to them, you hear about their life and you share a bit of your life and you start actually taking care, you're treading on enemy-occupied ground. And you know what? It just means that life is tough. But you know what? God is faithful. And when you trust in him, it means you can even flourish, thrive in the midst of those battles. You might be completely surrounded by the enemy, but even in those moments, you can have boldness and courage because God is with you and he will not leave you. This is how we fight our battles. It's a song, isn't it? This is how we fight our battles. I might be surrounded, but I know I'm surrounded by God. and I'm surrounded by his goodness and his grace. 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 4 says this, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose hearts. For God who said, let, shine, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. We're the jars of clay. To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. There is something amazing about knowing God that means that even in the face of the trials, you don't have to lose heart. It might be today that you're not 
a Christian. You've not put your trust in Jesus. Maybe you look on your situation and you look at that and you think, how could there possibly be a God? And I just believe you're asking the wrong question. It's just the right... It's, suffering comes to every single person in this, in this world. And if it hasn't yet, it will come. Hardship, trials, it's just life. You don't have to live long till you will know the pain of cancer in your life or death in your life or in someone around you. You don't have to live long to see that. But when you become a Christian, when you know Jesus, what he does is he comes and walks alongside you in the midst of it all. And it means that you can go through the trials, the battles, you can go through life and you, you might be hard pressed on every side, but you're not crushed. You can know joy and peace in it. You, you might be perplexed, and, but you're not in despair because there's hope. You, you might be persecuted, but you're not abandoned because he's with you and he promises never to leave you or forsake you. And you might be struck down by all sorts of different things, physical illness or, or relationship struggle or redundancy, but you know what? You're not destroyed because he loves you and he knows you, he's got you. These guys are surrounded, but they know that their God is the God of all gods and that he will do as he promises because he keeps his promises. And having just overcome one battle, they're able to take confidence as they go into the next battle. And so that's why the Lord said to Joshua, don't be afraid. It's like this verse again, don't be afraid because this time tomorrow, I'll hand them over to you slain. And he encouraged them to hamstring their horses and burn their chariots. And because in the past, they probably would have taken their chariots and thought, oh, I need to trust in the material possessions. But instead, this time, he says, no, you don't need it. Just trust in me. And so um, they, what happens for the next sort of 13, 14 verses, it just tells us how they take the cities. And the passage finishes with Joshua. Um, he chooses to finish the whole military campaign and the end of chapter 11, he talks about this group of people called the Anakites. You see, the Anakites, they were people that back in Numbers 13, when we find out about these 12 spies that went and spied out the land, the Anakites are the people that those 12 spies saw and they declared, these guys are like giants and we look like grasshoppers to them. And 10 of them saw this situation and was like, do you know what, we can't do it. We, like, and they managed to convince Moses and all the other leaders, no, don't do it, don't go. Joshua saw the Anakites and said, yeah, these guys are giants, but do you know what? The God is for us. He's calling us to press into this. And later on, we find out in Samuel that Goliath, who you might have heard of, he is a descendant of the Anakites. And so you can you sort of get a picture of what these type of people are. And so Joshua finishes the story of the whole conquest of the land, and he brings us right back to these passages. And it says this, at that time, Joshua went and destroyed the Anakites. From the hill country, from Hebron, Debir and Adam, from all the hill country of Judah and from all the hill country of Israel, Joshua totally destroyed them in their towns. No Anakites were left in Israelite territory, only in Gaza, Gath, Ashdod did any survive. God is able to keep his promises and to fulfil them. And you know what? His promises are guaranteed, but it's worth saying that they're not automatic. Joshua had to take steps of faith. Throughout the whole of this journey, Joshua's had to take steps of faith. Joshua had to take the step of going, stepping into the land. The, the, the um, Levite priest had to take the step of walking in the, walking in the water for the river to dry up. They, when they got there, they had to remind themselves of the covenant and renew their covenant. When um, they... Um, ended up going to Jericho. They had to remember that God is a God who's able to do anything, and so we've got to worship him and trust him. 
as they go to take Ai, they've got to remember that God isn't uh, his God, that we can trust in him and not in material possessions or the things around us, and we need to obey him and listen to him. As they um, like learn about Rahab and the Gibeonites, these people that are outside of the people of God, and yet God brings them up, they're reminded that God is a redeeming God and that anyone can come to him, and that the whole purpose of their um, going into the promised land is for everyone to come and know God, for them to be good news to all the surrounding nations. And God's promises are guaranteed, but every single step of the way, Joshua and the people had to take steps. I wonder, what's holding you back? Is it that you have just been afraid to take a step? Is it that you've just been held back? Is it that you just felt, you know what, I'm just waiting for it automatically just to work through? I just believe that God might be saying to us today, do you know what, we're called to take steps of faith. That is what the people of God are. We're called to take steps, but he will be with us. And so it ends, the last verse of chapter 11 ends this. So Joshua took the entire land, just as the Lord had directed Moses many, many years ago. He gave it as an inheritance. What an amazing picture. He gave it as an inheritance to Israel, according to their tribal divisions. Then the land had rest from war. It's just an amazing picture of the future, where Jesus will come, and he will return, and the entire of, entirety of the world, everything that God has promised to his people, it will be handed over, be given. There will be inheritance of the Holy Spirit, and God has completed it and done it, and there will be rest. Rest from sickness, dying, death, disease, decay, and war. There will be no more struggle, and no more strife. It's a wonderful picture of all that God will accomplish through his son Jesus. And we can just look back and think, wow, God, you're amazing. And so I'm just going to bring up that question one more time. I asked at the beginning, what's holding you back from taking steps of faith? What's holding you back on your journey of all that God is calling you to? What's stopping you from being all that he has called you to be? What's stopping us as a church of pressing forward and pressing out into all that he has called us to be? Good news to the whole of Guildford and the surrounding nation and the nations beyond. I just wonder, I, I thought of several things. Maybe what's been holding you back is that, or maybe a step that you need to take is to put your trust in Jesus, become a Christian. Maybe it's baptism. We've got this baptism evening on Wednesday evening. Maybe, you know, baptism's often the first step of obedience. For these guys, it was walking through the River Jordan. It's just like a picture of baptism. It's where John the Baptist takes people to be baptised. It's the River Jordan. And it's just, you see that throughout the whole Bible. Is it time for you to be baptised? What are the requirements for that? Have you put your trust in Jesus? We baptise you on your confession of faith in the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And that's it. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to sort out everything in your life. You just need to put your trust in Jesus. If that's you, you can be baptised on Wednesday evening. Or you could come along Wednesday evening, watch the baptisms, and you could decide on the night... Or you could wait until the next round. We'll do them again in a few months' time. The, the point is, is that is today is a step that you need to take, a step to be baptised. Do you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? We were talking about that earlier. It sort of came through some of the words. Is it actually that there was a moment where they needed to stop and they just needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit? The sign of the covenant then was circumcision. The sign of the covenant now is being filled with the Holy Spirit. Is that what you need? Do you... 
need to step again into worship? Do you need to confess sin? I don't, do, you, do you feel that you've been distanced from God and you just press in again? Have the trials of life and the troubles of life just been all-consuming for you? And I wonder if God's just encouraged you to press into him even in the midst of the battle. I don't know. But what I do know is God wants to remind you that he's for you. He's not against you. And he encourages you to be bold and courageous and to press into him. He's got good plans for you. He's got good plans for this church. Are you going to trust him? Come on, let's get the band back up. We're going to, um, we're going to go, we're just going to spend the time of worshipping. And I think that the best way to do that is by taking communion. Um, they, in, um, in the passage we read, there was multiple times where they just paused and God reminded them that he keeps his promises. Um, when they put, stuck up the guys on the poles, when they put, laid up the large rocks, when they stopped and remembered that God is, has done it all, even in the midst of the battles, they, they knew that God keeps his promises. And, you know, when we come to communion, it's just a reminder that God has kept his promise. He has made a way for you to come into his presence. And he did that by, Jesus, by sending his son, Jesus, to come to this earth to die on the cross. And we read about how in that death, he has made a way so that all your sin and your shame is now to the cross. It's taken away so that you can come into relationship with God. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take this moment. We're going to, um, there'll be some at each end of the aisles. Whilst we sing, you'll be able to come out and take some bread and wine. It's non-alcoholic wine. Maybe you'd come and eat. You can do that in your own time during our worship time. To eat and drink and just remind yourself of God's promises and pray and ask him and it might be that one of these things that I mentioned is a step that you need to take and I want to encourage you that as you come and hold your bread and hold your non-alcoholic wine to just commit that to your heart might be you need to make a note in your phone to say yes I'm going to talk to Chris about baptism or I'm going to press into this it might be you need to pray and I want to encourage you to do that and then once you've done that to in your own time drink and eat to thank God for all he's done. He's an amazing father. He keeps his promises. He is faithful. He is good. Good to you. You can trust him. Come on, let's stand. I will pray and we'll worship. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much that for all of us, all of us who are here today, we're not here pretending, Lord, you don't pretend. Your word doesn't pretend that it's all going to be easy and rosy. But what you do say is that you're with us. You go before us, behind us. We can trust you. Thank you, Lord God, you're with us. That you never leave us or forsake us. That you seat us with Jesus in all authority. And I just pray, Heavenly Father, today, would your Holy Spirit just come and fill us with your presence. Would we trust you again? Would we have bold boldness and courage to take a step again into all that you've called us to help us Lord God be a people that rely on you trust in you and trust in what you're calling us to do give us strength I pray amen thanks for listening please do come and visit us Sundays 10am at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford we look forward to seeing you